meditation, 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 depending on the quality of my You know, there's good days and bad days, and there are days that feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice, calm, This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City Podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Stress. In this episode, we discuss stress, suffering, and the power of letting go into the present moment. Today, we are joined by Robert Chender. Robert is a longtime meditation teacher in the Shambhala Buddhist tradition and is a student of the late Chagam Trungpa Rinpoche. He also works with business and professional groups and individuals in applying mindfulness and emotional intelligence practices to workplace efficiency, corporate culture, and morale, and is a trainer for the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, the mindfulness program developed at Google. Robert is counsel at a large New York firm and is the founder of the New York City Bar Association Contemplative Lawyers Group. If you enjoy this talk, consider registering for Robert's upcoming Fearlessness in Everyday Life course offered by the New York Shambhala Center beginning on September 9th, 2021. You can register on our website at www.shambhalanyc.org. Here's Robert to take away the discussion. So... The first question might be, why do we meditate at all? What's the point of coming here? And one of the answers might be that we suffer and we don't really know why. We don't really know what is going on. Things aren't quite right. And no matter what we do, we can't seem to fix that. The Dalai Lama teaches that everyone wants to be happy. That's the human condition. Nobody, well, most people don't wake up in the morning and say to themselves, gee, I really hope I suffer a lot today. You could ask, is, is anyone trying to create a stressful, anxiety-ridden life? And in the Buddhist tradition, in the Buddhist teachings, we're seeking relief from that. And that relief is called happiness, or that's one definition of happiness. So, what is stress? One way of looking at it uh, could be that stress is merely a reaction to difficult emotions. Now, uh, what's crucial is that you don't believe anything I say. Please listen and see for yourself whether, whether it makes sense to you, whether it's true for you. This, 
one of the beauties of the the Buddhist teachings is that there's no belief required, and in fact, um, belief is uh, um, to be avoided. But it's about what do we experience. So, getting back to stress, if we don't want to be in the position we're in, we try to avoid it. We try to resist it. So, um, a uh, formula might be that stress equals the amount of pain you're in times the amount you're resisting it. And we'll talk more about what it means to resist your pain. We have stress in our families. We have problems with our kids. We have problems with our mates. We don't have a mate. We want a mate. We want a different mate. We're cranky. Our roommate's cranky. We have money issues. We don't like our job. We want to feel better. That's, that's always the motivation. We want to feel better. It's the motivation for even the simplest things we do. We wake up in the morning, we have a cup of coffee because we want to feel better. We want to feel less sleepy. We like the caffeine boost, which is fine. Often, our methods of trying to feel better are not in sync or they're not uh, consonant with what our goal is. Our goal is to be happy. We have, we have a sincere effort to become less cranky or to get out of our situation but we just make matters worse. We avoid talking to people. We, we resist, we fight, we get angry at our situation. We get relief uh, through addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex, work. Workaholism is an addiction. So, under stress, our brain falls back on these very simple routines of uh, where we actually put aside complex thought and we, we revert back to uh, uh, what evolved millions of years ago. And we experience the operation of that part of our brain in the form of um, worry, anxiety, panic, frustration, anger, rage. And we default to um, all the way back to our uh, amygdala, which is a part of our brain which is actually a very a very early part and 
it's uh, often referred to as the lizard brain because it's the part of the brain that we share with lizards. Uh, and it, it's responsible for what are called the four F's, which are fight, flee, freeze, and reproduce. So, in this culture, we don't spend a lot of time just being. We're, our culture is about entertainment and speed and trying to make things better. And if you believe the advertisements, if you just buy this thing or you do this activity or you, you go to this movie or you watch this TV show, you're, everything will be better. You're going to feel better. And um, maybe that's true and maybe it isn't. But we all know that it, it's temporary. Even if we do feel better, well, that was a great movie. And then, okay, I'm still kind of worried about money. I'm still kind of worried about my job. I'm still not having such a good time with my whoever we're not having a good time with. So we have these temporary fixes and you know, a large part of this culture is built on selling you the temporary fixes. So in order to get a less temporary fix or one could say even a long-term fix, we really need to examine what it is that's going on. And the best way to do this is through meditation practice. And for those of you who've um, just learned how to meditate, uh, it's important to not only to meditate but to actually understand why we meditate and what the logic is. So we're just sitting there and we're following our breath. <clears throat> and we get hijacked by our thoughts. We notice that we're thinking and we label that. And we come back to the breathing. And this goes on for a half an hour, this kind of circular process. Being breathing. Breathing is just a reference point. It's a reference point for being present. Because what meditation is about is being present. Being here now. Just being in the moment. And then we create all this drama and entertainment. Sing, sing songs to ourselves. <laughs> and what we start to notice is that um, there's a difference between the way things are and the way we want things to be. What we're 
what we're working with with our thoughts, the thoughts that come up are thoughts of the past. I'd like this to change, or I wish I had done something else, or the future. I'm hoping that this happens, or I fear that that happens. And we start to notice, all right, there's this difference. Things just are what they are. We're just breathing. And we start to be able to relax the more we meditate, the more we can, the longer we can stay in the moment without commenting, without some kind of a uh, critical mind attaching itself to who we are and what we do. We're just sitting, we're just here. And what we can realize from that, or what we, the insight we start to develop, is that actually there's, there's really nothing going on other than what we're creating. So we can just be present. And from that comes quality of compassion, quality of um, insight, quality of love, which is, in the end, what this is all about. So, in terms of working with emotions in that context, in the context of our meditation practice, um, we can uh, talk about an idea which many or most of you have heard of called emotional intelligence, which uh, was developed over the last 30 years or so and was popularized by Dan Goleman in, in his book called Emotional Intelligence. And then there's a whole series of books um, that he wrote after that, Emotional Intelligence at Work, Emotional Intelligence in all sorts of places. <laughs> I think there's a book on emotional intelligence while shopping. And what we, what we, he's a meditator. And um, what, that the book isn't specifically about meditation or his books aren't specifically about, about meditation, but they're informed by the practice of being present. And what we, what we learn and what we learn on the cushion, when we learn what we learn while we meditate, is that the basis of the two kinds of emotional intelligence that are, are basic, which are self-awareness, which, which means I know what I know how I feel and self-regulation which is not only do I know how I feel but I can actually work with my environment myself and others uh, not from a point of view of being caught or entrapped or a slave to my emotions but in spite of my emotions 
What we find is that the basis of working with our emotions is the ability to pay attention. Which, of course, is that point at which we come back to our breathing. That's what we're doing, is we're paying attention to our breath. And it's, it's, also, it's almost not as important to continue to pay attention to the breath as it is to be reminded to come back when we're distracted. So, one of the things we're training in our discipline of sitting is not just how long can we stay on the breath, in other words, how long can we stay present, but also how long does it take us to come back when we're distracted? How long does it take us to be reminded to come back? So what we're doing with our practice of meditation is we're training our attention. So the idea of working with emotions or emotional intelligence in this context is even if you're in the middle of complete chaos you can actually come back to clear and calm attention and from that space we do whatever's necessary we get to choose how we act rather than just being impulsive or compulsive. So once we know how we feel, oh yeah, I guess I'm, gee, um, my heart's beating fast and I'm feeling flushed and um, I'm tensing up and I feel like I want to bite somebody. Gee, I, I must be angry. Right? As opposed to going from the feeling to actually biting somebody. So there's this, this, there's this quality of being able to pay attention. In this case, we're paying attention to our body. Our body happening and we notice gee this this is uh, I'm familiar enough with myself that I know I'm feeling angry so at that point we can practice what is in the vernacular called response flexibility which is we can choose how to respond rather than simply going right to the amygdala and biting somebody if that's our habit other habits might be just to get depressed because, gee, anger is not a, not a, uh, we were told that anger isn't something that we can, we're allowed to uh, express, so we turn it in, 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 inside. And that's part of depressive tendency. 
So the idea is that we don't get hooked by our feelings and we don't believe more importantly we don't believe the stories that we attach to the feelings we'll talk more about that but in my opinion that's um, the failure to do this is the blind spot of the human race the big blind spot and it's the cause of most problems in the world is that inability to suspend your belief that what you feel is uh, good, true, and appropriate, and that your story is true. It's the cause of racism. It's the cause of... um, Well, <laughs> I, I could get political here, but it, it's actually the cause of um, greed, cause of of, uh, of uh, hunger. It's the cause of just about everything. And we can talk more about that in the Q&A if you want. But don't believe that. So... There's a word in Tibetan, uh, which is, which is the word that means uh, being hooked by your emotion. So, for example, uh, the word is shenpa, S-H-E-N-P-A, and it means it, it's not. A, there's not an exact translation, but it's. It's, it feels like, you know, when, when, when the guy came out with a shepherd's crook to, and, and to, if you're bombing on stage and he kind of yanks you, it's, it's your emotion yanking you by the, by the shepherd's crook. I guess I'm dating myself here. Um, so, for example... Let's say uh, your coworker criticizes you, or criticizes your child. Somebody criticizes your child to you. Um, There's this um, feeling that comes up immediately. And it, you you get this kind of funny taste in your mouth, maybe, and you your eyes kind of your pupils kind of narrow, and you get tense, and your jaw kind of clenches. Do you know what I mean? Or you can see it in somebody else. You're making a point to someone, and you can see that her eyes start to get glazed. And she starts to turn away. And you think, what did I say? Because you can see that the other person got hooked. Emotion came up and got hooked. 
So what we're seeing is that quality of attachment or being hooked, shenpa. And when when we get hooked, when we have that feeling, when when your your mate criticizes you and you kind of blow up, you got hooked. You got hooked by the criticism. It's an everyday experience. It happens to us every day. And any little thing can cause this sense of, well, what it really is is a sense of dissociation. It's, it's this, we're not present anymore. We've, we've left our body. We're in our thoughts. We're in our emotions. We're, we're not here. If someone said to you, breathe, well, you might punch them in the nose. <laughs> or you might remember and say, okay. And then you can come back. And that's actually a, a trick we'll learn at the end is how to unshenpaize ourselves when we get when we get hooked like that. And this is um, little PTSD experiences. That dissociation is 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 what we experience as a result of trauma. Trauma can be little tiny criticisms or big ones that we're you know we're working with from the past and the the common one common response to trauma is to dissociate because then we no longer have to really deal with it so That, that hook, that tightness, has the power to bring us into self-denigration, into blame, uh, into anger, into jealousy, and into other emotions that end up with words and actions that poison us. And usually we don't, if we catch it at all, and if we're going to be self-righteous about it, we're not going to catch it. If we catch it at all, uh, it's usually after we've reacted, after we've scratched the itch, after we've started screaming, after we've uh, gotten the scissors. Started to cut after we've gotten depressed, after we've made up a huge story about whose fault it is. And the interesting part that we 
we don't usually see is that um, what we do is a habit. Because if you go back and look at how we react, each of us reacts to the hooks, to, to our negative emotions, it's usually the same way every time. We might have anger management issues. We might get depressed. We might be jealous all the time. We might be a, a, um, a victim and a blamer. Whatever it is. Whatever happens, it's somebody else's fault. That's just a habit. It's not true. So the what what Shenpa thrives on is is this background that we start to notice in our meditation practice of some sense of uh, discomfort or unease with space. We can sit and pay attention to our breath and then we may find that we, we don't we're not com so comfortable with that because we're supposed to be doing something, aren't we? I mean, that's... Actually, there's a funny story, which is um, in Tibet, if someone asks you how you are and you say something like, however you translate it in Tibet, and you say something like, I'm keeping busy, um, you get great expressions of sympathy. Oh, it's too bad. <laughs> but in this culture, we're supposed to keep busy. So if we're just being, if we're just sitting there, we, we experience this, this kind of um, unease with that quality of nothing going on. And that's it's a kind of an insecurity almost. And Shenpa thrives in that space. Because we're looking for something to hook us. Because that's when we feel like, okay, I'm, I'm actually alive here. It's missing the point, but that's, that is what we do. So we're always looking for something we enjoy. Okay. I'm feeling kind of freaked out because I've got nothing to do. So I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go to watch TV. I'm going to have sex. I'm going to do, take drugs. I'm going to have a drink or whatever it is that we do. And in, in moderation, all of those are delightful, perhaps. Um, but if we seek satisfaction based on the result we get, um, we will never be satisfied because the result goes away. That's not 
happiness. That's just a short-term pleasure fix. So, the good news is uh, we actually can get happy. <laughs> it's possible. And when we sit when we talk about happiness, we don't mean you know necessarily this quality of of um, feeling great, but it's more having a quality of emotional stability where we're, we're, we can just be present and whatever comes up is okay. So we can be, we can experience happiness in the midst of very terrible situations. And it doesn't mean happiness, ha ha, everything's great, but it means emotional well-being. And that's really what the point is. So, the obstacle to this emotional well-being is um, we're really, really attached to our habits. We're really attached to our anger, or we're really attached to our depression, or we're really attached to our cigarettes, or our critical mind, which is a habit also. And um, if we refrain from criticizing, you know, it, it's sort of coming up in our craw and we want to say it and, and it, it, it almost feels like, like putting on a straitjacket at the beginning. I can't move. I really need to tell you what I think of you. <laughs> you know, but you don't have to. So, if we're going to achieve peace or emotional well-being or happiness or presence or true compassion. The trick is that we actually really have to want to do it. You know, you can't force somebody to meditate. You can't force somebody to, okay, and now you have to sit and be, follow your breath for the next seven years. So there's a motivational issue. And um, the, motivational, the motivation comes when we 
recognize, and this is why we need to study as well as practice, is when we have the insight and we have the recognition that whatever we've tried up to now hasn't worked. And, gee, this meditation stuff, you know, it, it sounds like it has possibilities, so let me check it out. You check it out and see if it's for you. See if it makes sense. See if, see if you um, resonate with the teachings, resonate with the practice. Practice isn't easy. And if it's easy at the beginning, it gets harder. So... So there's that, there's that, um, there's a saying which is revulsion is the foot of meditation. That's in one of the chants we say in the mornings. And what that means is you're not really going to commit to meditation practice until you actually kind of get revolted with what you've tried so far and see that it doesn't work. Revolted with your your shenpa, revolted with your habits, revolted with your uh, uh, amygdala, getting hijacked by your amygdala. So, we we learn how to through sitting practice. We actually learn how to be open and. Relax with whatever comes up. Whatever comes up is worthy of being present to. Even if it's terrible. You know, we all have our own situations. We all have our own lives. We all have our own past. And we can all be present with it in, in uh, small doses or bigger doses. So the way we do this is very simply that when an emotion arises, we practice this notion of response flexibility, which is the antidote to Shenpa. And we don't follow the thoughts. So it's the, the practice is to stay present with the emotion. And what we, what we start to notice, on the, it's, much easy, it's easier to do on the cushion at the beginning than, than not. So we'll we all experience emotions all the time on the cushion. So the practice is just hang out with how you feel. Just hang out with the energy of the situation. And don't follow the story. Because what we do is we make up stories about what's going on. Eh, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we're we're, we're um, talking to ourselves a mile a minute and next thing we know 20 minutes have passed and we haven't come back to the breath 
So if we can notice how we um, attach stories to our emotions and just come back and don't follow them, we'll find two things happen. One is um, that our emotions dissipate more quickly than they otherwise would. And the other is that we start to recognize that we're just making stuff up. And we start to develop insight into what's true and what isn't. So one thing we can do when we're experiencing intense emotion or when we're in the middle of screaming at someone, if we remember, or when we're throwing a plate, you know, right when, right when, and we remember, oh, I must be experiencing Shenpa because I'm about to throw this plate. <laughs> I must be angry. Very simple. Take three deep breaths. Let's do it now. Just take three deep breaths. feel more present it's kind of amazing isn't it here we are we're back in the room we might have been in the room but maybe we're more in the room maybe we're not but we can do this all day long and it brings us back into our bodies and the story tends to go off by itself and if you're about to throw the plate and you take the breaths, you're not going to throw the plate. Because the plate's about the past and the future. It's not about the present. And the other thing we can recognize is that every single person in the world has the same issues with Shenpa that we do. Everybody gets hooked. So they freeze, they tighten, they shut down. They get the urge to do whatever their habitual pattern is. And furthermore, they all want to feel better and they don't want to suffer. And if there are two people who meet like that, there's no communication. We're fixated. But if one person isn't, which is you, then there might be that possibility. Because now you have the tool. Because you know what's going on. And what what this is, what this practice is, this practice of emotional intelligence, this practice of working with Shenpa is really how we can achieve peace in the world. And 
you know, it, it's maybe a uh, tall order, you know, but it, you, the only way to do it is one person at a time. And if we can see that other people are experiencing the same things we are, they're suffering the same way we are, they're experiencing that same quality of emotional difficulty and getting hooked, then we can soften towards them, no matter how much we don't like them. We can start to see them as being human too. We don't have to be stuck in our own whirlpool and our own quality of feeling bad um, where we just look at people as enablers of our own situation. So in conclusion, um, there's a slogan which we have in, uh, in our uh, Tibetan lineage and slogans are uh, different ways to work with uh, our minds and our world. And the, the slogan that's, a, that's attached to uh, this practice of uh, working with Shenpa and with emotional intelligence is called practice the three difficulties. And the first difficulty is actually to acknowledge that we're hooked. It's hard to see it happening, but acknowledge when you're screaming, oh yeah, I'm hooked. I got caught. And the second is to do something different. Do something fresh. Don't say, yeah, but, but actually change your, change your habit. Let go. Stop believing your story. Stop thinking that your habit is the only way to go. And the third is make this a way of life. So this is, this is your instruction for the rest of your life. <laughs> Do this practice. I think we're, we're close to done. So uh, thank you all for coming and see you at the reception. Let's have a final bow.